section in 1 Timothy this morning. Uh, we're going to look at 1 Timothy chapter 5, which I will warn you, 1 Timothy chapter 5 actually ends in 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 2. Uh, it's another one of those spots where the chapter break isn't very good. Uh, and we're looking at some overarching principles for how we ought to treat each other within the family of God. We're going to see today Paul's advice for treating various groups of people within the church. And I want to do something a little bit unusual this morning before we get started, before I pray, before we do anything. I want to read the whole chapter 5, going down to chapter 6, verse 2. And the reason I want to do that is many people, even preachers I have heard in this church building, have taught some things that are a little bit off because they haven't looked at this in context. It's very easy to take a couple of verses out of context here and teach false teaching. And I've seen it before. You'll see it's very clear if we read this whole passage and understand what's going on. So before we get started, before we pray, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 1, we're going to go to 6, verse 2. It goes like this. <clears throat> Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brethren, the elder women as mothers, the younger as sisters, with all purity. Honor widows that are widows indeed. But if any widow have children or nephews, let them learn first to show piety at home and to requite their parents, for that is good and acceptable before God. Now, she that is a widow indeed and desolate trusteth in God and continueth in supplications and prayers night and day. But she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. And these things give in charge, that they may be blameless. But if any provide not for his own, and specially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Let not a widow be taken into the number under threescore years old, having been the wife of one man. Well reported of for her good works, if she have brought up children, if she have lodged strangers, if she have washed the, children, the saints' feet, if she have relieve the afflicted, if she have diligently followed every good work. But the younger widows refuse. For when they have begun to wax wanton against Christ, they will marry, having damnation because they have cast off their first faith. And withal they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also and busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. I will, therefore, that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. For some are already turned aside after Satan. If any man or woman that believeth have widows, let them relieve them, and let not the church be charged, let it, that it may relieve them that are widows indeed. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. Against an elder receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. Them that sin rebuke before all, that others may fear. I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that thou observe these things without preferring one before another, doing nothing by partiality. Lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partakers of any other man's sins. Keep thyself pure. 
Drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thine oft infirmities. Some men's sins are open beforehand, going before to judgment, and some men they follow after. Likewise also the good works of some are manifest beforehand, that they are otherwise cannot be hid. Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and his doctrine may not be blasphemed. And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them, because they are brethren, but rather do them service, because they are faithful and beloved, partakers of the benefit. These things teach and exhort. Let's have a word of prayer, and then we're going to look at the first two verses of this today. Lord, we do thank you for being such a gracious and merciful God to us. You provide for us every need. You take care of us, and you bless us when we don't even deserve it. Help us to be able to minister some of that love that you show to us back to this world around us. There's very little love in this world, and that'll show us to be the light and the salt that you've set us to be. Guide us through this passage. Show us how we can apply it to our lives. We ask that all in your name. Amen. So as I say, this chapter 5 is looking at Paul's advice for how we ought to treat various groups of people within the church. I encourage you, read it in context several times this week. Uh, And these groups that we're looking at, as you'll read through this chapter, we saw the several groups listed. Widows, elders, and slaves. Three specifically different groups that show up. And each group has its own considerations to be borne in mind. Now, we've already seen Paul mention the existence of these groups within the church already in 1 Timothy. But I don't know if you noticed it as we read this, and this is part of, not the whole reason, but part of the reason why I wanted to read this all in context. I don't know if you noticed that honor is a recurring theme throughout this section. Honoring widows, honoring elders, honoring masters, holding masters in honor. I, don't, I also don't know, while we're talking about the same theme, we saw honor, we saw honor, we saw honor, but there was, did you notice that there was a progression of honor? Uh, it gets stepped up. It starts out in verse 3, we see honor mentioned. Honor the widows, verse 3. Verse 17, we see double honor for the elders. And then in verse, uh, chapter 6 and verse 1, we see all honor given by slaves to masters. It's a progression That's why I say chapter 6 and verse 2 is really the end of chapter 5. Because if you break it off at 6 as a new chapter, you lose that progression. Honor, uh, double honor, all honor. See, each section shows us exactly what proper attitudes ought to be toward each group. Now, we're not going to get too far into it today. Because the first two verses Paul gives are simply overarching principles. And that's all I want to get into today. Next week, we're going to look at beginning of what defines true widows. 
because widows are the first group we're going to look at, so that's what we're going to look at next week. And I don't really want to break into that, so we're not going to get too far into it today. Uh, I'm going to cover the first two verses, and that's all we're going to get. We're probably going to be a little short today. Understand that. So let's read verses 1 and 2 again. Uh, Chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. It says, Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brethren, the elder women as mothers, the younger as sisters, with all purity. Simple as that. As we mentioned already today, Paul is about to discuss respectful, honorable dealings with church members according to a couple of things, age and gender. One of the things we need to, we do well to remember is that God sees the church as a family. We've already discussed that. Let's back up to chapter 3, verse 4 and 5. He's talking about leadership in the church, and he says, One that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? He's making a comparison, a parallel between the family and the church. Skip down to verse 15, same chapter, 3. If I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtst to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the church of the truth. He sees this comparison. Notice the family terms that are used here in uh, verses one and two, chapter five: Fa- mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters. It's a family group that he sees. That's how God sees this church. Now. That being said, I say we've got to look at this in the context of the whole chapter so that we see that we're talking about family groupings because I've actually heard people preach, rebuke not an elder. See, you shouldn't ever reject anything that a preacher in a church says. He's the elder of the church. You can't talk back to him. Rebuke him not. That's not what we're talking about. Uh, Timothy doesn't say that you can't correct elder men. Rather, he's saying that they need to be entreated with a respect due to their seniority. To their seniority. We're not talking about a church position. I'll get to that in a moment. Another thing that I can't help but notice is how naturally Paul's moved from what we looked at last time, the discussion of what Timothy should command and teach. We've looked at that for the last couple of weeks to now we're looking at the various groups that uh, Timothy is supposed to command and teach. We've spent the last two weeks looking at what you're supposed to command and teach. Now we're looking at who you're commanding and teaching to. It's a very natural transition. See, Timothy is not to be an overlord, and the people in the church are not there in church for him to be pushing around. The whole congregation, young, old, male, female, all deserve to be treated with respect because we're all in a family, see. Today, we're going to see Paul break the church up into four separate demographics with special concerns for each. And we're going to expand that over the next few weeks. So the first group that we'll look at is older men. Older men. Are there any older men in the church today? Uh, 
There's only one with a white beard that I see. Uh, <laughs> now, uh, some people have interpreted this as an officer in the church, as I just pointed out. Uh, some people have said, well, we're, we're talking about an elder. Uh, but that doesn't really fit with the context, does it? The context is that of a family. They do the same thing, by the way, when you get down to verse 17. I'm not going to get into teaching it. But they say, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor. You ought to pay them well as elders. That's what you ought to do. That's not the context. The context is an older man in the church. The honor that we're talking about is not pay. The honor is honor. It's respect. We'll get to it when we get to verse 17. The context of verses 1 and 2 are about old and young men and older women and younger women. To say that one group is speaking of church leadership in the midst of that family illustration doesn't make any sense at all. That's why we read the whole chapter. That Greek word uh, for elder here is presbyteros. Oh, that's, that's why we know he's a leader, because it's presbyteros. It's identical for both. Presbyteros just means an older man. Uh, that's all it really means. So, Paul wants to make sure that Timothy treats the men who are older than him with proper respect, with proper honor. Because, why would, why would Paul say that? Let me ask the question first, see if anybody's got an answer. Why would, why would Paul think this is so important? Timothy, make sure you're those older guys in church. There's people older than you. Make sure you treat them properly. Why would he do that? Well, it's sometimes easy for a younger preacher to lose patience with some of the older folks in the church, right? After all, the younger man's usually full of dreams and ambitious, and he wants to jump right in on things uh, sometimes, while older folks might be a little more reserved and cautious, right? Sometimes that's a realistic way of looking at it. That's human nature, too. See, maturity is sometimes perceived as sluggishness by the youth, isn't it? And fervor, on the other hand, a real uh, fervor is sometimes seen as impetuosity by older folks. Ah, he'll learn, he'll settle down a little bit. Am I wrong? See, there needs to be a mutual respect between God's family members. The older people in the church need to realize that they are not above sin. They may very well need confrontation. But as with everyone, it needs to be done with respect. So rather than abuse the older men in the church, Paul tells Timothy, deal with him like you would your father. Deal with him like you would your father. This word entreat, it's an interesting word. It says to entreat him as a father. You know what that word entreat is in Greek? Parakaleo. I've used it before. You might, you might have heard it a different form of it. Uh, it's often translated to exhort, to encourage, to comfort. And that's where I'm going to... You know what the Holy Spirit is called? Our paraclete. Our incom- comforter. When Jesus said, I am going to send a comforter among you. 
he said the Greek word paraclete. I am sending a paraclete to encourage, to comfort, to uplift you. That's how we should be handling older men in the church. See, they may need some correction. They may be a little misguided sometimes, but it needs to be done in an encouraging way. And by the way, that's true with everybody. Instead of being a harsh correction, it ought to be done in an encouraging way. It reminds me of what we studied about church leadership back in chapter 2, verse... uh, Oh, gosh. Where was it? Uh, 2 down to 4. Nope. I got the wrong... I got a wrong section. Uh... I might have the wrong chapter. In any case, uh, where he was talking about leadership, and he was saying that uh, they oughtn't, hadn't ought to be quarrelsome, but they ought to be kind and they ought to be encouraging. That's what we're talking about here. Now, let me ask another question. Has anybody ever noticed that sometimes older men don't like to be corrected? Have you ever noticed that? It's, it's an interesting thing. Uh, It's so common that we have a running joke about grumpy old men, right? He's stuck in his ways. It's become a regular joke. See, Timothy needs wisdom to deal with them. It's a fact. We joke about it, but it's a fact. Similarly, younger men need careful treatment as well. And uh, Paul tells Timothy that he needs to regard them as brothers, Now, Jesus spoke of dealing with people in the church in this way, uh, Matthew chapter 18. He's talking in future tense, Jesus was. He's talking to his disciples about when they were going to establish churches and things like that. But here we are, uh, uh, Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. He says, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. He's talking to him as a brother. He doesn't mean literally your flesh and blood brother. He's talking about somebody you're uh, associating with. Yes, we've got to... We really haven't changed context. We've just made a natural transition from what are you, what are you teaching to who are you teaching. It's all within the greater context. You're absolutely correct. Uh, See, we've got... uh, We need to regard each other as brothers. And uh, Jesus says that go to your brother and deal with the issue just between the two of you if you can. And nobody else needs to know and the whole situation's solved, you see. See... As we already pointed out, old men are sometimes known for being stuck in their ways, but what are young men known for? Swagger and arrogance, right? That's kind of what they're known for. And sometimes, if you confront a young man on doctrinal issues or confront him on moral issues, you can see their pride and their self-importance start to come out, can't you? See, again, Timothy needs to be careful of this. Timothy needs to learn how to handle this in a wise way. By the way, we each need to handle each other, regardless of who they are, 
with wisdom, with encouragement. Think it over. Different situations, different individuals call for different treatments, don't they? Verse 2. Let's refresh our minds on verse 2 because we're about to move into women now. And this is where we always get into dangerous territory as preachers. The elder women as mothers and the younger as sisters with all purity. So Paul moves to older and younger women. There's no double standard here. Older women and younger women require exactly the same wisdom and exactly the same respect as dealing with older men and younger men. In fact, regarding older women, Paul tells Timothy to respect them as he would his own mother. Again, I hope you're seeing the idea that the church is really just a family. We're all part of a family with different people in different roles within that family. Now, a young man like Timothy needs to regard women who are older than him like he would regard his own mother Eunice, who we see mentioned in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5. How does uh, uh, Timothy handle her? 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. He was following in the same faith of his mother. He treated his mother clearly with some respect, didn't he? That's what Paul's talking about here. These older women that, you're going to be, that are going to be in your church, Timothy, treat them just with the same respect and the same honor that you do your mother Eunice and your grandmother Lois. Now, we see throughout the book of Proverbs a picture of what respecting one's mother and father should look like. I challenge you to take a look at the book of Proverbs and just look at how you're supposed to deal with your mother and father. That'll parallel with what we're looking at right here today. It'd be an interesting thing to do for the next couple of weeks. I encourage you to do that. That, by the way is totally different than the common view in the Roman world where a father was respected, mother not so much. I'm uh, picking my way through. It's a really slow, dry book, but uh, it's a very interesting book. It's uh, called Roman Honor, and it talks about how various grades of respect that certain people were held to in the Roman era. It's interesting to me. I don't recommend it to most of you. You probably wouldn't get very far in it. Uh, But that's, it helps to get some context for what we're talking about. As much as people today might say that the Bible is a toxic male book, it's all toxic masculinity, Men, men were everything, women were nothing, the truth is God regards mothers and fathers on equal ground. Let's, let's take a little walk through Proverbs, all right? Let's go to Proverbs. We got lots of time. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8. We'll do a little walk, and we'll see mothers and fathers right on equal footing. Proverbs 1 and verse 8. My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother. Sounds pretty equal, right? Skip over to 4 and verse 3. For I was my father's son tender, and only beloved in the sight of my mother. Pretty equal footing. 
Uh, skip over to 10 and verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, A wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. Pretty equal footing, isn't it? Chapter 15, verse 20. A wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish man despiseth his mother. Equal footing again. And there's tons more. Don't even make me mention Proverbs 17, 25, 19, 26, 20, verse 20, 23, verse 22, 23, verse 25, 28, 24, 30, verse 11, and 30, verse 17. I'm not going to mention those. Honoring older women as mothers is just the same as honoring older men as your father. Don't let this world tell you that this is a toxic male book. They're on equal footing, and that was unusual in ancient times. That's important for us to know, as people seem so confused about things these days. Uh, but Paul's, let's look at Paul's advice regarding younger women. It's exactly the same as that regarding younger men. They're to be regarded as sisters, just a female brother, right? Uh, Except for one critical caveat. I don't know if you caught it. It says they need to be handled with all purity. That word, I told you we were going to come back to it, is hagnia. Hagnia. We looked at it in chapter 4 and verse 12, and that's when I told you we were going to come back to it here. It refers to sexual purity. Every single time that hagnia is used, it refers to sexual purity. And you know, why, why this particular caveat here? Because sometimes, in dealing with younger women, pastors end up not being perfectly pure in their relationships, don't they? It happens. We all know stories of this happening. Affairs with church members, etc. I'm not going to go into any detail. We've all heard cases of it. It's hard to pick up a newspaper without finding some, some case of that happening somewhere. That's yet another reason why it's so important to look at the church as a family. If you wouldn't do that with your sister then don't do it with any woman in the church. In today's society, that's seen as kind of a prudish doctrine. But Paul took it very, very seriously. Sexual sin in the church is a very serious thing. It can destroy a church. It can destroy a pastorate. The only way to avoid it is to make certain that we are absolutely pure in our lives. So, today we've looked at some overarching, very general rules for dealing with individuals in the church. I encourage you to read through chapter 5, which continues to chapter 6 and verse 2, and read it in context several times as we go through. Let's look at it in the upcoming weeks, and we're going to see more specific ways for dealing with certain issues. These rules that we're going to look at are just as important today, maybe more so, than they were in Timothy's day. 
because humans are humans and we really haven't changed that much. What people were like 2,000 years ago is about the same as what people are like today. We think we're in a new and brave new world, but it's not really all that much different. I'm going to break it off there. Brother Fisher, would you mind closing in a word of prayer? Amen. Yeah.